All right. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you. My name is Ji Hong. I'm one of the lay leaders here at VCF. And today I'm going to be speaking from Luke 1 um, and focusing on verse 15. And I'm going to, it's about John the Baptist and the command that the angel gave to his parents concerning John the Baptist. And I'm going to be looking at it through the lens of two questions. And the two questions are this, are the following. Number one is, how can we experience the newness of life that the New Testament is talking about? And we've been talking about that the past two weeks as part of the apostles' teaching. On the flip side, what prevents us from experiencing this newness of life? And so the New Testament makes this bold claim, and the message of the New Testament is this, is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died and was resurrected. And if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and if you put your faith in Jesus, somehow you get to participate in his death and resurrection in such a way that your old life, which is corrupt through sin and leads to death, you can be set free from that. You can be liberated from that. And instead of living from that old center of life, you could live from this new center, this new life that Christ gives us. And the New, and the new Testament has different ways of describing this. It's, call it being born again being filled with the Holy Spirit, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Betsy just shared, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Being a new creation, being a child of God, a second Adam, and so forth. There's, and all of it gets to the central truth and reality of the New Testament, that is that, we can experience newness of life. And so we're going to be looking at how can we experience more of this newness of life? Is there nothing we do? Do we just let it happen? On the flip side, are there things that might prevent us from experiencing the newness of life? So let me open up Luke 1. And I will start from verse Okay, so it'll just we'll just have a little background on John the Baptist. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, and that's going to be John's dad, of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. That would be John's mother, and they were both righteous before God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. Both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by law to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So Zechariah was in the temple serving as a priest, and the angel came. Verse 12, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. Verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and You shall call his name John. Verse 14, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. And here's the verse that we'll be focusing on. Verse 15, for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord and their God. 
to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. All right, let's pray before we start. Lord, we thank you that you are here right now with us. We thank you that you have given us your word. And we pray right now that you would speak to us. You would speak to every single person here. That would you open up your word and speak to us. And Holy Spirit, would you have your way? We ask that we give you this time. We ask that you would have your way in this time. And all that you want to accomplish will be accomplished. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So what might prevent us from experiencing this newness of life that Christianity offers, that the New Testament um, claims? And and the first thing that I want to focus on is from the second part of verse 15 where it says, He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Yeah. John will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And that, when I read that, it really struck me that he was going to be filled even from his mother's womb. Okay? Even before he started his ministry of proclaiming in the wilderness a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So he was going to be filled before he was going to do any ministry, even before he would be old enough to abstain from drinking wine and strong drink. He would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even before he could choose to set himself apart for the Lord, he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he would be filled when he was in his diapers, when he was growing up as a child, as a boy, in his teenagers, even before he cognitively knew that the Holy Spirit was working in his life. So he would be filled even from his mother's womb. And that struck me, and, I, and a few thoughts rose to my mind regarding that. And I realized that it's easy for us to think that the Holy Spirit is only for spiritual things. Okay? So, for example, the Holy Spirit is to empower us for spiritual activities like preaching, or prayer ministry, or evangelism, or moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or whatever categories we might have for things that are spiritual, right? It's easy for us to think the Holy Spirit is, yes, it is for those things, but it's only for those things, right? It's easy for us to think the Holy Spirit is for mature Christians who do spiritual stuff or ministry. And, but if that were true, then why did God fill John with the Holy Spirit from his birth? Right? Why is it that, in, as we've been studying in Acts, right, from the beginning, when, when Peter preached, he said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The, the gift of the Holy Spirit is given right away. So what prevents us from experiencing this newness of life? We prevent ourselves from experiencing the newness of life when we limit the Holy Spirit, right, the presence, the work, and the power of the Holy Spirit to just a subset of our lives, which we consider spiritual. Okay? And when we do that, then we filter him out of the rest of our lives. The Holy Spirit is only relevant to this small subset subset of our life, which we consider spiritual. So I want to give us a few counterexamples to that. A few counterexamples to this notion that the Holy Spirit is only for a small subset of our lives that that are, quote-unquote, spiritual. Okay? So... The first example is actually from um, a member of this church, and 
recently, maybe this was about a month ago, he lost his wallet. Okay? And um, in a guy's wallet, we carry everything. We carry our um, driver's license, our credit card, our bank card, right? And it's a major pain if it's lost to cancel all those and get new ones, right? And so he had actually lost it on the previous day. So the next day when he realized, he was kind of freaking out a little bit, right? And he was wondering, what should I do? And this guy is a guy that gets things done. He knows how to get things done. And so he could have easily gotten on the phone and started cancel, 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 start all over, okay? But he invited the Holy Spirit into that moment, right? Because he had gone out, searched everywhere. That wallet was somewhere in Los Angeles, but he invited the Holy Spirit into that moment. And the Holy Spirit told him, just wait. Just wait, okay? And he did that. And as he waited, he checked his phone. And he realized that some, some of, he had a message from a number that he didn't real, recognize. When he listened to the voicemail, it was a call from the library. And what happened is that someone had looked in his wallet, right, and saw a library card and had taken it to the library. And there the librarian knew this guy and called him, right? And so the Holy Spirit, Saved him a whole lot of time and trouble, okay? Counterexample number two, that the Holy Spirit is only for a subset of our lives that is quote-unquote spiritual. And this is from my own life when I, was, when I became a Christian, and I would consider myself a baby Christian back then, a real baby, okay? In the sense that I was um, unstable, lots of doubts not mature, ignorant about a lot of things, but nevertheless, and I didn't know really about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit was at work in my life. And when I look back at that first year, I didn't do anything spiritual. I didn't do any ministry. I didn't pray for anybody. Maybe the only thing I did was I shared my conversion with my family and friends, but I didn't do any ministry. And yet the Holy Spirit was at work in my life. And so when I look back on it, I can see that, wow, he w- uh, God was shaping my priorities and my values back then. He was showing me, for example, to prioritize going to church, to prioritize going to midweek teachings, to go to small groups, to have what's called quiet times where you spend time with God. He was shaping the the way I went about my relationships. He was making me a repentant person, meaning that I was learning to ask for forgiveness and also to forgive other people. I remember the first, after my first year in college, I went back home. One of the first things that I did was I apologized to my little brother. I said, sorry that I've been a, like a bad older brother to you. And that was the work of the Holy Spirit right, to help me to realize what I had been doing. The Holy Spirit was also opening my eyes to slowly begin to discern God in my life. To grow spiritually, I was able to slowly begin to able to track with God. I still had lots of doubt, but I, whenever I went to church or I heard a teaching, I sensed God was speaking to me and that it was what I needed to hear, and I grew from that. So the Holy Spirit is not just for mature people. It's not just for doing ministry. It's for the babes, the children in Christ. And he was helping me get through the first year in college. All right, the, I know sometimes we're like, we beat a dead horse, but here we go. Third counterexample, that the Holy Spirit, 
is only for a subset of our life that is, quote-unquote, spiritual. And so um, I asked Peter if I could share this, and he gave me permission. So this is a little story about Peter. Um, he's a freshman at Pasadena High School, uh, just started. And um, this year, he's trying out for the JV soccer team. Okay? And the context is that he'd been going to these practices and tryouts, but the feedback he was getting from the coaches were not positive. Okay? And at a certain point, it, it looked like he was on the outside looking in, meaning he might not make the team. Okay? And this was difficult for Peter and also for me as a parent because soccer has been a part of Peter's life for many, many years, ever since he was a little kid, he's been playing soccer. Um, and it's not that his identity is wrapped up in this, but we thought, you know, you play soccer, you love soccer, you should be able to make the team. Um, and on top of that, he was trying out as a midfielder, and the competition was hard as a midfielder. Okay? And so, in the midst of this, We had a small group, and Scott shared a word from 2 Timothy, where, where Timothy, where Paul said, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Okay? And that word opened up, and we realized there's something in Christ, there's a grace in Christ Jesus that can strengthen us. We can be strengthened by this, right? And so I think it was like the next morning, Peter and I were walking. Um, we walk our dog in the morning. And I said, Peter, God can give you the grace to be a midfielder, okay? And I didn't really know what was going to happen, but I said, God can give you the grace. There's a grace in Christ Jesus that can even apply to you being a midfielder, all right? And so the, I would pick him up from practice, and I would ask him how was practice. And, and most days, he's like, it was, it was all right. Or some days, he said, I played well. And some days, he said, I didn't play so well. But there was this one day, he was more excited than usual. And so he said, I played really well today. And I said, okay, tell me more about it. He said, I caused five or six turnovers at midfield, meaning that as a de playing defensive midfield, he caused five or six turnovers. And then he said, I also scored three times. And so I said, okay, have you scored before? Because I, I didn't really get into the specifics. And he said, no, I had never scored before. And so when he said that, I said, okay, so you caused five to six turnovers. You not only scored once, from having scored none in all these practices, you scored three times. I said, Peter, I think that is a major breakthrough. I think that's a major breakthrough. And he said that, you know, there's a coach that usually yells at him, he didn't yell at him that day. Okay. So I want to say the Holy Spirit is not given for just a small subset of our lives. He, the Holy Spirit is given to us for every single area of our lives, okay? The Holy Spirit is given to us to help us in all things. He's given to us to be good students, to have understanding and insight. The Holy Spirit is given to us to be good friends, good neighbors to those around us. The Holy Spirit is given to us to be good family members, to be good fathers, to be good mothers, to be good grandmothers, to be good good grandfathers, to be sister, brother, son, daughter. Okay? The Holy Spirit is given to us to be good employees at our jobs. The Holy Spirit is given to us to be witnesses wherever we live. Okay? And so I want to give us a chance right now, okay, while it's fresh, to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, okay? And I just want us to close our eyes, and maybe there's 
an area of need that you have, or a circumstance you're going through, or an area of your life you you thought wasn't in the realm where God could do anything. Or maybe it's an area where you've been trying very hard, but you've been doing on your own strength, on your own wisdom. So let's just welcome the Holy Spirit right now. The scripture says that for us to receive a gift of the Holy Spirit, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's, it's something from the other side. It's God's substance. is himself coming to us to be our help to be our wonderful counselor, to give us power, to give us encouragement, to give us wisdom. So if you feel comfortable, just open your hands and just welcome the Holy Spirit into that one area. So Lord, we we ask you to come right now. We welcome your presence, your work, and your power there. May that, may this area in our lives never be the same again. May it show forth your signs of life, the newness of life. That we just re-repent of our thinking that limits you. That excludes you. Thank you that the Holy Spirit is given to us, even when was given to us, even when we were babes, when we didn't even know. We thank you that you can work in ways we do not see or understand. We just welcome you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. That's the first thing. Okay, is when we think the Holy Spirit is only for certain things. The second thing and the last thing, what prevents us from experiencing this newness of life? And that is when we drink wine or strong drink. And not just in the literal sense, but in kind of a metaphorical sense. And that's why the angel told Zechariah, he says, he must not, your son John, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God has purposes for him, and he must not drink wine or strong drink. Okay. Now, wine is a drink made from grapes, right? And strong drink, it's, it's slightly different from that. It's, it's, a, it's made from grain. Now, wine in biblical times was a part of the typical meal. So people drank wine. So, for example, you know, Jesus had wine at the Last Supper. And it's, it was part of wedding celebrations. Uh, for example, the wedding at Cana. And it, it was a good thing. Wine was a good thing. It, it made the heart merry. It could gladden the heart. Okay. But if you consume too much of the wine or the strong drink, it made you intoxicated. It clouded your mind. It impaired your judgment and your discernment, okay? your decision-making. And so what the angel was saying was, look, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can, the Holy Spirit can be at work in your life, but if you if you consume wine or strong drink that will intoxicate you, you can suppress this. The drunkenness can suppress and overshadow the work of the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we have this reality that Christ is living in us, but there are things that can suppress and go against 
that new, that new life that is working in us. So a few scriptures that talk about the effects of wine and strong drink. The first is Isaiah 5. I'm going to just read two, um, three, three references here. Isaiah 5, verse 11 through 12. If we could put it up really quickly. It says, Woe to those who rise early in the morning, that they may run after strong drink, who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. You see how strong drink and wine causes people to wake up early, go bed, tarry late. It, It goes past the allotted time and space. You can have wine at your meal to gladden your heart. But too much of it expands into other areas of life. Verse 12, they have lyre and harp, tambourine and flute and wine at their feasts. These are for worship. It says, but they do not regard the deeds of the Lord or see the work of his hand. And what can happen is too much wine and strong drink and the resulting drunkenness can leave us a little bit deadened to God. It causes our mind, our sight to be cloudy, and we, we cannot see God. We do not see his hand. Isaiah 28, verse 7 is another reference. And it says, and here they're, it's talking about the priests and the prophets. It says, these also reel with wine and stagger with strong drink. Right? Instead of having a steady walk, they start staggering. The priest and the prophet reel with strong drink. They are swallowed by wine. They stagger with strong drink. They reel in vision. They stumble in giving judgment. And I'll give you a New Testament reference. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And so, the scripture is, in some ways, very honest, very clear that there are things that can intoxicate our mind and go against this newness of life that we're supposed to experience. So I want to just give you a couple of examples of the kind of wine and strong drink that may that can affect us all okay so many of us most of us may not be susceptible to the temptation of a literal wine and strong drink okay but we're all susceptible to a different kind of wine and strong drink and so the first example it, it both these examples come from my life but it's how i how i've begun to think about work and money or how my mindset has changed over the years. And when I think back when I, to many years ago when I got my first job out of school, man, I was thankful for my job. I was just thankful to, be in the, to have legal status in the country and get any job. And I just wanted to follow God. I wanted to go where he wanted me to be. And I wanted to be a witness wherever I worked. Okay? I wasn't trying to grow a career. I just wanted to follow God. And I, and I would say, honestly, that I was seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I believe that everything else, all these things will be added unto us. Okay? Now, over the years, God has blessed me and I've, grown in my career in the software development field. And recently, a few things happened that made me realize, oh, wow, my mindset has changed a little bit. And so in my field, every so often, recruiters from from other companies contact me. They ask me, like, are you interested in maybe a new job? Would you be interested in this job? It's just kind of common, all right? And... A lot of times I just say, no, I'm not interested. But in the back of my mind, I have some criteria for 
what would cause me to take this offer? Okay? And I realized that more money was a big criteria. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Because like, who would want to change jobs and make less money? Right? And of course, making money is good. Right? And but I realized that it was becoming maybe more than it should. And I realized that if, if a company just threw a lot of money at me, you know what? I might just go for that. It was no longer about where does God want me. It was more about let's just make more money. Why not? Okay. And the reason that I think money, I started to think about money that way is because I have a family. And I have two kids, they're in high school, and they're going to go to college. And Amanda, my wife, just finished a master's program at Fuller, and school is not cheap, okay? And when you're trying to balance your budget and have a budget that works, when you have more income, it's easier to have a, a balanced budget, okay, without going into debt. And so I was thinking, yeah, I, I just got to make more money. Got to make more money. Now, with, with the budget, something happened earlier this year. And that was that it was in the spring, and I was waiting for my tax refund. I don't know if others of you do this, but I was waiting for my tax refund um, because the way I had budgeted that I had made an obligation to give to an organization, okay? And I was going to give to that organization once I got the tax refund. That's how the, the budget would work, okay? But what happened this year is that the IRS got really delayed. They got really backlogged, right, because they were doing all these manual reviews. And so I was expecting this tax refund to come in March, okay? And then I was going to fulfill my obligation that I had made to this, op- to this organization to give in April. But March came and passed. April came and passed. May came and passed. And it was June, okay? and I still hadn't gotten the tax refund, and I still hadn't given to this organization. Okay? And I had made a, a financial commitment to give. And one day I was praying about this, and I felt really convicted that I should give to this organization because I had made a commitment, right? And, and it says in Romans 13, let no debt remain outstanding, right? Except the debt to love one another. And I felt, look, you, this organization needs the money that you committed to them to pay their bills, et cetera, et cetera. And it wasn't a debt, right, because it was a voluntary giving, but nevertheless. And so the hard thing about it was that it would, it would mean kind of going to a level in our checking and our savings that was, like, dangerously low, right? What some would consider foolish, right? It would basically empty out that part. And so I talked to Amanda, and I said, but I, got, I think we got to do this, and I wrote the check, okay? And it just felt like the right thing to do, and it felt really good to do that, okay? And a few, shortly after that, the tax refund came, and replenished our checking and our savings, okay? Now, before I continue, I just want to give a little disclaimer about money and giving, because I don't want us to take, I don't want us to have the wrong takeaway. Is, so when we give, right, we give to be faithful stewards of what God has entrusted us with, okay? We don't give so that, like, God gives something in return. That's, we don't do that, okay? When we give, it says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We give because we're faithful, okay, to be faithful. Okay? And often when we give, it requires a sacrifice. Okay? 
And so the reason that I'm going to keep sharing about money and giving is to just, it's because it's the way that God shook me awake from the strong drink that was affecting me. Okay. That's the only reason. All right. And so that happened. And then a, a few months later, it was in the summertime. I was at church and I felt God prompting me, give this amount to this person. Okay? And it was like a specific amount that was just in my mind. And by the time I came home, I was thinking about this amount I, w- I wanted to give, but I was trying to reduce this number in my mind because I was thinking that's a lot of, that's a lot of money. Right. And it, and we don't really do that kind of stuff normally. And I was, what if I was thinking, what if I heard wrong? But then another thought came, I just need to be faithful. doesn't matter if I'm wrong. I'm just going to be faithful to what I think the Holy Spirit is asking me to do. And so I, I gave that exact amount to this person. Okay. Now, the interesting thing is, soon after that, out of the blue, a financial provision came into my life. Okay. And again, I, I'm not doing this to get a financial provision from God. I'm just telling you this is what happened. Right? And it was in the amount, it was in the order of about twice as much as the amount that I gave. Okay? And I said, thank you, Lord. Okay? I'm going to be faithful. Okay? And I think it was part of the process of helping me to trust God that he will provide if I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All right? So fast forward to this fall. It's a new kind of fiscal year for this organization that I had committed to give, okay? And I had a choice. I could wait till next year again for the tax refund to come, but I just felt God saying, just do it now, okay? You have the money right now, give right now. And, and I had other reasons for doing that, but... And after I did that, I just thought to myself, kind of like a joke, right? Like, wouldn't it be interesting if somehow God gives me a financial provision three times the amount, right? If the pattern is, right, what, you know, about the same amount, twice the amount, three times the amount, wouldn't it, wouldn't it just be interesting, right? And I didn't really, it was kind of a joke to me because to be triple the amount that I gave would be quite a sizable amount, okay? And I don't have like an international network of people that I know that, that send me money, okay? I have a very small network, and that network does not give me money, all right? So I just thought, wouldn't, wouldn't it be interesting if I got three times the amount? And earlier this week, a financial provision came out of nowhere, okay? And it was three times, more than three times the amount, okay? Again, the reason I shared this, it's a way that God does things in our lives to shake us free from the strong drink. There's one more example that I want to give. And this is when the strong drink mixes with issues of the heart, the matters of the heart, okay? the passions of the heart, the desires of the heart. Okay? And it's when our heart and our soul get affected by strong drink. And sometimes the drink is stronger than we can handle. And so this past summer, I found my, my heart and my soul in, in kind of a dangerous place. And 
I say dangerous because I realized that frustrations had built up in my heart and my soul. Okay? Big frustrations and small frustrations. Okay? And the thing about frustrations is that you always have a valid reason for being frustrated. Right? I am frustrated because this happened. I am frustrated because this person did this to me or that happened. Okay? And, and, and the reasons are valid, but they're often only one-sided. Okay? It does, you don't have the whole story behind it. Okay? And so without the light of God, without that, the gift of objectivity, frustrations can linger and fester in our soul, and then they pop up, right? They pop their ugly head at the wrong times, and I realized that I wasn't coping. Now, this was... This was humbling for me to, to realize because over the years, I've, I've always felt, wow, God has dealt with my heart and my soul. He's dealt with matters of the heart. I've ministered to people regarding the issues of the heart. I've taught about it. I've studied it. You know, I thought, I know how to handle things. I know how to handle issues of the heart. You know, I can handle stress and trials and all that. But then I realized that this was a stronger drink than I could handle. Some, some things had happened where I wasn't coping with the frustrations. And so what do we do? What do we do when... We, we take a sip of something that's a little too strong for us, and it's affecting us. So during the summer, I asked God to lead me to a rock that is higher than I. And when I looked over my journal, I realized I was praying that prayer from Psalm 62. I asked, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. And he began to lead me in a couple of ways. I want to share with you a couple of those ways. The first was that, he led me to do kind of like a detox and get right with God. And for many years, Amanda had offered to me, you know, you should go on a private retreat. Okay? Ever since I had kids, she would say, I can hold down the fort at home. You, you can go away. Right? And in all these years, I had never done it. Okay? In all these, I'd never done it. Maybe I thought it was, maybe I felt it was too selfish, or maybe I thought I didn't need to. But now I was thinking, I need to do this, okay? And so I was thinking, all right, I'll go away for 24 hours. But then as I talked to other people, somehow I landed on a three-night, three-day private prayer retreat. And I, need, I knew I needed to do this to get my soul right with God. I need the shepherd of my soul to restore my soul and heart. And so it's interesting, right before I went on Friday, there were two kind of big things in my life happening at that time that could have consumed that whole weekend. And so I realized if I take this with me to this prayer retreat, man, it's over. And so I prayed. I just laid those two things down. I asked God that I don't want to take these two things in with me. And he answered me. And he gave me peace that whole weekend. And I didn't really know what to do during those three days. I had never done a private retreat by myself for three days. But I, I prayed. I reflected. I worshiped. I watched a couple episodes of The Chosen. Just felt I should do that. And I just spent my time. At the end of it, or during and in the middle of it, I felt God meeting me. I felt that he was starting a work of restoring my soul. And taking all the built-up frustrations and cleaning it out. A second way that he led me is that he led me to instill some more discipline into my life. Uh, so that these frustrations would not 
accumulate in my heart. And so, and you know, Ephesians 4 says something that's instructive. It says, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. And there's a way that we have to day by day, day by day, guard our heart, guard our heart, guard our souls okay, from the strong drink that is out there. And the strong drink can easily get in. And so I came up with a plan of how I would day by day have this new discipline. I talked it over with Amanda and we put it into practice. And it does not mean that I don't get frustrated. It means that when frustration gets a hold, I have this new discipline to deal with it so I don't go to sleep with it and let it linger and fester. And by God's grace, this new discipline has helped, helped me deal with the frustrations. And I can honestly say my heart and my soul, I don't have this baggage of frustrations in me. First Corinthians 10.15. And, it, and it, it's a, a verse about temptation, but I'm going to, Switch the word temptation out with strong drink and just read it for us, okay? No strong drink has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not, he will not let you be overtaken by the strong drink beyond your ability. But with the strong drink, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Praise God. Praise God. Let me read one more verse for us before we close. It's from Mark 15, verse 23. And this is right before the the Roman soldiers crucified Jesus. And it says, They brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. And it says, they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we we welcome you right now into this moment. We welcome the shepherd of our soul. The Lord is my shepherd, shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. We welcome you, the shepherd of our soul, right now. And we thank you that you are leading us to a rock that is higher than I. You have been doing that. I want to just give us an opportunity right now before we leave to just be quiet before the shepherd of our soul and allow him to restore us, to restore our soul, to restore our heart. It may have been under the influence of a strong drink It has taken us down a road we do not want to be on. Some of us may want to continue to pray about it throughout the week. 
Some of us may want to come up for prayer. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you desire to set us free unto the abundant life that you have for us. Just thank you. We, we ask you, Holy Spirit, you come right now and shine your light. Shine your light upon us right now. In Jesus' name. Pray that you would set us free from any strong drink. We we pray right now for just a renewed desire and hunger for the newness of life that you promised. Welcome you, Holy Spirit, right now. remain quiet for a little more. It says that in Isaiah 30, in repentance and in rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Some of us, I feel, have depended on our own own strength or our own abilities. The Lord invites us to say, Lord, may I decrease and may you increase. Uh, We want the full presence and the work and the power of the Holy Spirit to be at work in our in us. As we go now, Lord, I just pray for a blessing upon everyone who is here, everyone who is listening. Your presence and your love and your comfort and your peace go with us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.